0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. We have to give the assist to Sergey Gabrowski again for finding this guy. So from all the way from Denmark, he's played in 14 FIV events. He's already got a medal and six top five finishes, and he recently won the Continental Cup. So please welcome to the show Martin Trance. Thanks for doing this, man. Thank you, Charles. Thanks for having me. So we're we're mostly based in Canada, uh, judging by our numbers, I'll say. So you're the first Denmark athlete we've had. So kind of give us a breakdown of how old were you when you started playing volleyball? Is it Does everybody start playing indoor before they start playing beach? Just give us kind of a general outlook of the sports system in Denmark right now.
1: Well, I can tell you beach volleyball has grown a lot in Denmark over the past years. Uh, it hasn't always, always been like a sport. You would play as the first thing you do. Uh, so, normally in Denmark, it has been playing indoor volley and then uh, like transitioning into beach volley at a later time. And it was the same thing about me. I also started to join indoor before I played beach volley. But now it's kind of switched a bit, or not switched, but beach volley has grown a lot. So, a lot more players are choosing beach volley over volleyball these days, which is, I think, it's a great, great achievement
0: now is, is volleyball did it start as like a school sport for you or is everything run through like professional clubs in a club system
1: uh well for me it, it, volleyball came from my family uh like my my dad was a player and uh, my uncle was a coach and uh, my sister has always been playing um which i know and, and then i just started playing as well and uh well that's like how i got into it um it wasn't school-based until I went to boarding school in like in ninth grade. We have kind of like an elite uh, school where they take in all kinds of sports uh, while you are in education. And the same thing happened with me. I played indoor uh, at that time. So I, I went to this boarding school playing indoor uh, while uh, studying. Uh, but I unfortunately got an injury during this period. And I couldn't really get rid of it playing indoor, so the natural thing for me was to like transition into beach volley, where like you could play on sand instead of hard wooden floors, and that worked much better for my knee. So that's like how I transitioned from indoor to beach
0: Nice, nice. And just looking at your FIV account, uh, you're only 23, and it says you played on your national tour in 2014. So, is that? Pretty normal in Denmark for you to be playing against adults on like a domestic pro tour that
1: early or were you quite young at that time? Um, no, that's, that's not that uh, usual. <laughs> well, it happened kind of in a very weird and very informal way at that, uh, that time. Like in, it was in 2014 and uh, <laughs> the thing was that there wasn't any beach volley players in Denmark at that time uh, in that age group. So we kind of had this, I would say today we call him like a coordinator, He was a beach volley coach he was like the local famous beach volley guy (laughs) uh, which has success with it and he would just like ask me because i i was like the only player that age group that played beach volley if i wanted to play like a youth national tournament or youth international tournament Uh, i was like sure (laughs) sounds fun um so it's like oh cool Uh, who do you want to play with like who do i want to play with i don't don't know like who, who is there to choose from and then uh we knew this guy called christopher who was also pretty young. He's like two years older than me. Is actually my partner right now, playing like the adult Italy, and he was the only one like available at the period of time to play with. So we would like team up on like the basis of this dude telling us if we want to play international. So we would uh, participate in the under twenty two European Championship in Turkey in two thousand and fourteen, uh, and I was sixteen at that time. So it was very unusual to participate participate in such a uh, tournament as such a young boy. So
0: is that because there were so few athletes in your age division, or like how did you get nominated to represent Denmark? Did you have to do well at a certain tournament, or basically it was kind of like uh, you're good if you want to go, we'll send you. Like how does that process work in Denmark?
1: Well, it has changed from like today from from then. Uh, like. <laughs> Today you have to go through like a, a, a basic training camp of some sort and uh, they pick you um, for like a three-day period of time. They make assessments of who, who should go play international for Denmark. Uh, but at that time, there was like there was a free choice of who wanted to go. And I was like the only one in that age group. So I played like the under 20 with one guy and under 22 with another guy. was like the only one available at that time. But now it's changed a lot. It's been more, much more professional at, the, at this this period of time than it was at that time
0: and do you do you remember any of your your first impressions because you you were still pretty new to the sport in general i would say and now you're representing your country at CEVs, which tend to be very good tournaments like a lot of deep teams there so what did you remember about like being exposed to that level so young
1: well i think it has uh informed me a lot like from from who i am today because i was exposed in that early uh, i was exposed at the early I um, I remember it was it was so weird because the beach volley I played in Denmark like if you compare it to the one in the international it, it changed a lot like I remember the under 22 was testing new rules you had to play five sets instead of three and it was mm-hmm. to 15 uh, all of the sets except the fifth set which was to seven and you just that's just how you would you would do it like the under 20 or like both under 20 and under 22 they were testing everything in Italy, the first tournament I played uh, in under twenty. I remember, it was an open hand was allowed uh, for first contacts. Wow! Um, so yeah, if you were a blogger, a big dude who maybe didn't have the technique with you, you would just like stand on the two meter line and just receive with fingers, and yeah, bounce the ball every time. So that was pretty tough. I remember, uh, not the volley I used to play at home, but <laughs> looking looking back, I remember like I played against some great players at that time like players today i think one of the best i've ever played against is called oleg Plotnuski from ukraine um, he doesn't play detail anymore but he plays for one of the best teams in italy indoor got an mvp at the european under 20 championship uh, when he was 18 and just dominating the italian league right now um, i think him and clemens wickler was like like my top top players that time uh, the first game i ever played uh internationally was against clemens wickler I got my ass kicked.
0: <laughs> Have you told him that story when you see him on tour?
1: <laughs> yeah. I told him once, and he was like, yeah, sure. He, he, did <laughs> anything that time. he did it. He beat everybody anyway, so it doesn't matter. He won the tournament. So we was like, okay, we played against the winner. That was pretty cool. <laughs> and and <laughs> that was pretty fun. But I remember, like the under-22 with the Christopher, my, like my partner from today, we saw the winners from the tournament, but the was Chris and Sirum playing with uh, his former partner Sananes, he's called, and both of them were defense players. None of them would actually block any balls, they just like defend everything. And beating, I think it was Krasika and Biela in the final, actually, who are still playing today. So it was pretty ridiculous, like the names that would be in the Under-22 are are some of the best players today. Fun to be like a part of.
0: Nice, and you did quite well at the, the U22. I think you finished sixth, right? So did yeah. you have expectations going in or it was just all exciting and you were there to battle and compete? Like, Do you remember when you got off the plane where you're like, yeah, we're here to win the tournament or you're just kind of here to take it all in?
1: I was actually just there to have a great time. I had, <laughs> no, I had no expectations whatsoever, but it happened to be like like the best experience uh, at that time. It was crazy. At, at some point, I, I don't know how we did so well, but maybe it was just like because the expectations weren't there. Uh, you just participated having fun and to you play your game no matter like what anybody else would play it. We had I remember like playing um, We It was such a weird system like you played a qualification playoff kind of thing uh, where It was like an irrelevant game at the fifth sixth, and seventh spot They all gave like the same six like the same amount of points and the same amount of qualification for uh, for the tournaments so it was really like an irrelevant game. And we played against uh, a Polish couple, uh, Kochak Rudal. Uh, I think Rudal is still playing today. I don't know yeah, about actually. But um, <laughs> such a weird moment. We, um, we had played like the whole tournament. It was the last game of the tournament. this, And we were so tired. And uh, we like asked the Polish guys like, what, what do you think about just playing a standing game? <laughs> like we just play a standing game and then whoever wins just takes the match. It doesn't matter. Uh, and I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. It's fine. Uh, so we started just like no jumping, just standing game. And this was a under 22 European Championship. We're playing for like a fifth place, just standing until like seven points. And then the Polish guy was like coming up to the net, like, like bring us over, like. Uh, our coach wants real game. <laughs> they w- he want he wants jumps. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I guess we have to jump. <laughs> So it didn't really work out the way it should, but it
0: was fun. I remember it was good, good times. Oh, man. So for a guy like you who got to go to the CEV U20 and U22 a, a few times because you were so young when you started, did your expectations ever change at that tournament? Uh, like, how did you feel like you were progressing from being, like, the really young guy to when it was actually your age division? Did you, ha- did you have, like, certain expectations of on performance at that time?
1: I think, like, Especially playing like the, the youth tournaments, uh, my expectations grew, but I remember like the transition into uh, playing like uh, adult beach volleyball from like the youth to adult uh, version, starting all over again. Like, I, I hadn't any expectations at that at point. Like, in the Danish tour, when I stopped playing with my youth partner, I was like taking under the wings, I was saying by like a former uh, national player, he actually ended fifth in the world championship at one point. He's called uh, Anders Hoyer, playing with Bo Soderberg, like the best Danish performance we ever had. Um, like he took me under his wings, and we played like a, a year together just for him to learn me, learn all the skills and how how to play against like uh, better players, older players. Um, so that that's like how I transitioned. So I I didn't really ever go into thinking I should be the best every time. I took like learning aspects every time I played and uh, got better and better and I think like the year playing with the older guy really helped me a lot, like visualizing what I should be do for beach volley. And so so I hadn't really ever, hadn't. The, I think this year, like today is, well, this year is the, is the first year where I had any expectations of what I should do. Or else I've always been like wanting to progress my, my technique and, and want to get better i uh, having that focus of mind, but this year is the first year where I felt like, okay, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty good. Like, <laughs> it's weird to say. It's not like the way you think in Denmark. Like you can't think about being good, uh, being better than everyone else. So this is the first time, like, okay, we're actually a pretty good team. Me and Kristoff are playing together, like making some some good results and and beating teams that we should beat, not just beating them because we had fun and well we went out went. We're actually a pretty good team, so I'm really looking forward to what will come next, like our vision and goals.
0: Obviously a very popular technique to put an older player with a younger player, maybe when they're I I don't want to say past their prime, but maybe near the end of their career just to show some guidance. But for a guy like you who actually lived through that, can you tell us, like, just give us some real examples of what that experience they pass on is? Is it, like, how to travel, how to behave before the tournament, like what to eat, or is it all on-court stuff? Like, from your experience, what did you actually take away from being around an older player who had such a a vast experience in our sport?
1: The thing I learned the most was, like, mentally uh, playing the sport. Technique-wise, I could always get better training and practicing and, and he didn't really teach me that kind of stuff. He only taught me like how to think on the court and like how to get better mentally, because that's basically how you win the game in the end. It's not about like who serves the best all the time or who is the hardest. It's mostly about being being composed and, and having a cool mind in the end of the set. So that's like what I brought along from my experience playing with like an older, wiser, beautiful player. And um, I. I only played with him on national tour. I didn't internationally go in any, any um, events with him. But after playing like under twenty two and under twenty, I um, I teamed up with a guy called mess Mes Maswosaya, uh, which also he wasn't that old, but he definitely was much more experienced than me. He was coming back from an injury, and exactly how you said, he was like wanted to guide me into playing more serious beach volleyball so um, i definitely learned both from like playing the national tour with an experienced guy and playing with bass on the international tour a lot about like how to think uh, beach volley instead of just how to play it
0: awesome and is there an example you can give to me or maybe some of our younger listeners like when you say uh you got stronger mentally what does that mean like when the games i don't know Eighteen, seventeen in the second set, like, what do you want to be thinking about in those moments? Like, is it just being focused on what you need to do or is it not being upset about a previous play or what are some little tricks that you've kind of improved on, on your mental game as you've gone through the sport?
1: I've always, or not always, but I, I've recently got taught like how to focus on like two or three things that uh, always works for you. Like two or three techniques, two or three uh, hits that is basically you like your game you don't need to invent new techniques or or new ways to win the point uh, when you're that close to this to the end of the set you just need to focus on what works for you um, so it's like little things as uh, like swing quick uh hit it high yeah basically like so two things of those like two of those things like hit it high and and swing quick is like a thing where whenever i think of that it's a hit i win 98 percent of the time and if I just focus on doing this, uh, I don't need to think about. I need to, I need to re- receive receive perfectly now. Uh, I need to, I need to really hit it, hit it hard on him. Like these these things doesn't work because that's only pressing you more. You need to work on like what works for you, and just focus on, on those uh, techniques. So that's like kind of what I'm what I'm doing in the game today. It's like having two or three bullet points that I can always bring up when I'm feeling under pressure. Like remember, is is what I do every day. Is like, bringing the mail. You just hit it high, swing quick.
0: Nice. And, and how have you found the transition from CV youth stuff to, to the actual world tour? Cause it looks like you've got some solid results at like one and two stars. And then like every team does going through the qualifier to three or four star becomes a different challenge, right? So how have you kind of progressed through that where you can, you can take a top five at a one star, which are very competitive and very difficult. And then you get off a of plane at a different tournament, you're in a qualifier and it's a, it's a totally different mood in our sport. It sounds like when you're, when you know you're in the main draw versus you're in the qualifier, right? definitely well I
1: basically always play qualifying games so I kind of getting used to it just being the qualifier but I I must say it's still it's still a really really unusual feeling qualifying for the main draw even though it happened a lot uh, it's such a unique experience and and it never gets old and I don't really I, I haven't really been like the the type of player who expects it as I was telling you before because it's still very new and it's still the same. Great feeling when you uh, qualify for the main draw. So I, I haven't really gotten into the way of thinking that we should we should qualify. I just I, I love playing beach volley. I love playing with my partner. I think he's a great friend and he's a great player. And I know like when we play our best, we are gonna qualify for practically almost every qualifier main draw there is. Nice.
0: So is there anything you do plan for? Cause it, it's great hearing that you don't have expectations that you're gonna be upset if you don't win a gold medal or anything like you actually enjoy playing. So what goes into your process, I guess, to make sure that you are getting better or that you are improving or that you're just not, I don't know, lack of a better term, you're just not a tourist traveling on the world tour, that you actually want to compete and do well, right? So what are you uh focusing on when you get to these competitions?
1: Well, we actually to like start at one point we actually started uh and uh, our own little setup in Denmark, uh, like volleyball, we looked at how uh, the volleyball Vikings from Norway were doing, like how, how they were set up, having like the same resources as we basically have in Denmark. So it's like, how did they get success? And so we actually formed our own little six-man group, uh, Beach volley team, uh, always practicing together. And luckily, we all live in the same city, so we can always uh, come together and practice and train, and push each other and we're all really good players like it's not like there's one of them who falls out in, in level at any like at any moment so it's really really a a nice setup we had going uh, and i think that's like that's how we started it's um we we started the six man group and then we found a coach who like wanted to do this project with us uh we thought about how we would uh develop the project so we found like a mental coach uh, we thought that's that's as I said, for one of the most important aspect of beach is like having the mental uh, capacity to play the tight sets and play the best games. So we found a really, really good mental coach who wanted to join, and we found like a, a manager of sort to like keep us under like, his wings and and like run the project. And so we have like a little setup going right now where all six players are, are in it uh, to be better, and we train together every day and uh, we push each other to the limit and uh, as you can see, on like my four last tournaments I played, I played with four different partners, <laughs> all from this little six-man group. And every tournament, I ended in a top five. One of them, I got a silver medal, and uh, one of them, I got a fifth at a three-star. Uh, and one right now in Cambodia, I got a fifth at a two-star, almost beating the Australian champion twice. So it's really working for us, this project thing. And it's only been going for one year now. So it's, it's fascinating to see how, how fast this can go.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's dive into that. That's super interesting. So in Canada, there's kind of three tiers to it there's our senior teams that basically they've earned a certain amount of results and they can train wherever they want with whoever they want so uh, for example like Melissa and Sarah our top women's team they're actually based in California even though they represent Canada and then um, like Sergey who you know and, and our next gen group like our younger athletes they have what's called like a centralized program where we're all here in Toronto and they train uh, basically together in that group and then our third tier would be independent athletes so they're athletes who have demonstrated the ability to represent Canada on the world tour but they don't have to be directly affiliated with the program so they're not funded but they can still go to tournaments and sign up so we were lucky enough on the show to have uh the estonia guys and we had uh matthias bernstein from norway so we kind of learned that estonia basically Uh, Tesar Novak are the are the beach national team program I learned that they don't really have a lot of support and then you mentioned the beach volley vikings how they've kind of created their system so what sparked your system in Denmark to end and my like long-winded question here but uh, does your national federation give you guys funding and then you just do whatever is there a beach volleyball division of your federation like how did you kind of get the challenge to create your own group and then to kind of run the national team yourself it sounds like out of this group of six
1: well we're basically like Estonia right now. It, it feels very much like it. Uh, very good friends with them and played against them in the Continental Cup and, and also here in Australia. We we're in Australia really quickly uh, meeting up with them. Uh, and it's kind of the same process we go through like them. Like We, are, we have a federation of volleyball, uh, but they're mostly focused on the indoor aspect. Beach volleyball is like a, an umbrella under the Volleyball Federation. So, we, get, we actually get funded, but we only get like a really small amount uh, for each trip that doesn't cover the cost of the trip at all. Like, we, we get a small amount of money to play an event, which is great as it is. Like, you always get something. That's good to think about. But economically, we finance the whole things ourselves. Like, uh, when we go to trips, it's our own economy we, we use to, to fund the, the, the trip. We try to get sponsors but again it's ourselves that has to go out and find sponsors and we also it's ourselves who has to like practice training and uh, have to find a coach and we have to find everything ourselves so there's not really much time to find sponsors uh, when you just like focus on getting better at each volley so it's mostly just our own economy that um, sponsors our our events our trips Um, this year actually we had i say we had to but it was a good opportunity for us to sign a contract with an indoor club uh, during winter time. So like our project called like Beach Volley Team Denmark signed with an indoor uh, club in Denmark which would pay our pay amount for doing the winter to play with them in the indoor system. So right now we're mostly funded by an indoor volley club actually.
0: Wow and they're they're obviously fully aware that you play beach so in Denmark, how long is the the professional indoor season? And are you still playing beach uh, when you can, or when you're assigned to them? Like you're you're an indoor athlete, you train with them full time, and that's like your job. You treated as
1: well. Um, this club we signed with uh, was in trouble finding players uh, at the time, and um, it's been it's like a local club. We all been been part of in some way during the years, so we didn't want to see them go under and, uh, and 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 fall down because they didn't have enough players. So. We wanted to help them, uh, but we wanted to do it like on our terms. So <laughs> I like, said we told them how it is. Like we are beach volley players, and everybody's gonna make fun of us because we are six players playing in an indoor team. But you just have to know that we are practicing one time a week with the indoor club and playing games on the weekend. Uh, like switching players, we have like three, four players each time who has to help them out. And then we had to, if there was any events each of the B20 events during uh, the indoor season that would be our first priority like we should go to that first and then they would come up with like okay we just have one priority doing, being like the cup they really want to do good in the cup or do one in the cup so it's like okay our priority is just that we have a good team doing the cup uh, which is like in, it's, it's like a weekend in Denmark so it isn't a long time being uh, available for them but the season in total has been from like uh, November till well, it should be April, but it it's quit now because of this corona thing. So November to April. And then our priority has always been p and they knew that from the start.
0: Nice. And actually that's not too bad with overlap. Obviously there are some beach events during that, but uh, you, you would at least have half the season without any interference. And then obviously pick and choose as you go. Uh, I'm just wondering how your your teammates received this. Were you guys very open and explained to them what it's going to be? Because obviously if, if they're a full-time indoor player, they're probably very competitive and they want to do well, even in the league matches right. where you guys are sounds like a little in and out, right? So how did your teammates receive this and kind of either welcome you to the team or was that a challenge for you guys? Well,
1: we always wanted to be open to them and um, we knew that they had problem finding players and the players who stayed were younger players, uh, like talents they had to, in the club. So we also thought about it would be kind of sad if we came in and took somebody's spot who'd been practicing five times a week and we only practicing one time. So we opened it up, like I said, we're just here mm-hmm. to make sure the club doesn't, doesn't go bankrupt. And uh, that's pretty much like our plan is just to keep them up. Like if they don't have enough players, they're gonna go down, and we don't want to see that. Secondly, if the if the coach want to win a game, he's gonna play the best team he has, and if that consists of us, that's just like that's nothing we can do about it. That's how it goes. And uh, the coach was like obviously in on this. He also has his own thought about it, and he also told his players like how it's gonna work with us beach volleyball players. And we had a pretty fun fun season. As it was fun. It was good. They were good guys and uh, no uh, really sad faces around there. It was okay.
0: Nice. And how would you rate your own performance? Like, was it hard going back to indoor where the skills are, don't get me wrong, they're more the same than they are different, but there are some finer points to beach that might not transfer as well, right? So, yeah. what position did you play and how would you rank your, your indoor pro career? Yeah, well,
1: <laughs> you say which position I play. That's fun because. Apparently, when you are a beach volley player, the coach thinks you can do everything. <laughs> 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 so I didn't have one uh, like one particular position all season. I I mostly played libero, uh, libero. Liberal. Yeah, due to my knee problems, I always had such bad knees playing indoors. So I really just wanted to play libero, so I couldn't overcompensate my knee of some sort. But we were six players trying to find six positions for us <laughs> to get the best teams in the in the most toughest games. So. I switch between libero and setter and, uh, outside hitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So it sounds like you guys
0: really love beach volleyball. Cause you're faced with these challenges where I'm sure lesser players would have just given up where you guys have found a way to do it. So has the, the volleyball community in Denmark received you guys? Like, are they very supportive? Like, uh, is there maybe potential of getting sponsors if you just keep building the community? Like uh I, I know Beach Volley Vikings, they're very good on social media and, and people, I don't know, they got the merch thing going. Obviously, when you're the best team in the world, you get some attention, right? But uh for you guys just perceived in your local community, are there there kids that look up to you? Or are there more people playing beach volleyball? Like if you're at a, a domestic national tour event or people talking to you about the project, like how, how big is the the reach growing out about your team here?
1: Well I, I love the community in the beach volleyball in Denmark. It's, it's so great and so open minded. You don't feel like you don't feel like you're in another league just because like you're on the national team and I think that's great. Like when you go around in the, on the national tour, everybody has conversations with each other. There's there's no like hierarchy. You want to like stay a bit away from them because you're better than them or anything like that. it's, it's so great to be a part of. And you see like younger kids also just in the clubs uh, where I practice like we had one time a week where the young guys practice with us in an hour or so just like to get the feeling of it. We have like a thread going through the club from from youth to senior. So we try to get like the youth involved in our training as well uh, to be part of it and hopefully like build a a team that can last longer than just plus six and they're so supportive of us and, and you can really see see how, how they want to do great when they practice with us and it, it's amazing to be a part of, it's, it's really fun and I, I love being around the Danish, Danish beaches and uh, playing like the national tours um, just to feel the lives and be a part of the community.
0: Awesome, awesome and just to, to kind of round up your club here, because you guys are in charge of the training schedule, are you guys technically going year round? Obviously, you worked in that indoor thing, so I imagine late in the winter you're off. But how often are you guys on sand? Are you working out as like as a group of six, or is everybody on their own weight program? Like, um, how are you kind of treating the, the training schedule? Because if you you're basically designing the national federation, but I'm just wondering how how detailed the schedule gets.
1: We have an indoor beach volleyball gym, luckily, so we can play in the winter time as well, even though it's here. Yeah, cool. we try as much as possible to do everything as a team like build around us being a team so like strength program we see we saw like a personal trainer to do like a strength program for us and we can work it on it and, and, and we are we're close to the gym here so we try to go along in a group as well just to keep the team spirit going and uh, like you have we only have three indoor calls so and we have a pretty big club it's not it's not that small of a club so we have to uh, have in consideration that others also have to train of course and and we give them time and we give them space it's not like the club prioritizes our practices above others like everybody is a part of the club and everybody should have a a court to practice on and we of course totally understand that and it's also fun seeing like your like club members going from like mix to like the lower uh, lower standards to the to one of the best teams, and like, what do you say? Like the the teams right under us. Like we can we can have fun and we can banter a bit and, and play with them. And every Friday we have like a, a great mix tournament uh, where we also participate uh, one or two times a, a month. So you also get to play with one of the best, and they, it's it's just amazing to see that everybody takes this in and and wants to be a part of that, and not just want to like stay away from us because we're that's a far away.
0: awesome and what city are you guys located in like based on on kind of how the european system works are you guys able to train with other federations or other teams come in because that's one challenge we have here in canada is where we might train with the americans a couple times but because we're, we're so far from everybody where it looks like do you guys close enough to either sweden or maybe germany or do the estonian guys who are just hungry to train against anybody except themselves come over or how does it work as far as getting other teams or are you mostly just training with your group
1: well, we haven't, uh, we haven't gone cross-borders yet, but uh, we definitely talked about um, participating in uh, the German practices uh, a couple of times. I know our coach has uh, some contacts in Germany, and uh, we, we talked about it a lot, like uh, wanting to practice with some of the youth uh, German players, So, you know, like Pritzner, Pritzner, Pritzner or Soda. I don't know if you know them, like a, a young German team. Pretty close to us, not too far away, uh, which we can practice with. But uh, We haven't done it yet. We're mostly just trying to get like a, a grip of this setup thing we have got going, and uh, I want to explore like how how far we can go with it.
0: I was wondering if you had any tips for us as far as when you play with a new partner, how you bring out the best of them. Because you mentioned on World Tour, like it seems like your last four tournaments you've played with a different player, or it sounds like every Friday or every other Friday you're playing with a different guy too, right? So when you, when you get matched up with a different partner, how have you found success so far about what type of set they want, who's playing left side, who's playing right side? Can you block and defend? Like how, how many little details are you covering when you play with a new person?
1: Well, that's a good thing about like, intensively practicing together. Uh, in our like 6 main group, because that has really worked out well for us, and much better than I ever could have imagined. Uh, it's so crazy thinking about like you can practice together and you can switch around in couples doing practices. And even though you have your teams, like me and Christopher for example, is like a, a team of our own. But we keep like switching and practicing and and just playing like fun games with each other, crossing teams. And suddenly, when you go out on tour, like you don't need to rebuild any any chemistry or connection because you've been you've been doing this all along in practice and this was actually just was working for us all of a sudden like you did you knew what the other guy had for like which which hits he had with which sets he has to get like how he's going to receive and and you just knew how it was going to work out but even though you didn't really want to start all over again you just yeah you just went for it like in Tel Aviv it was so weird i never played with that guy before only practiced it with him and uh like Thompson and the guy, I got second in, in Tel Aviv. <laughs> yeah, I never played with him before. I only practiced with him, and um, it just worked out. It was just—it was so fun to see like how the how the system works. Like the setup really works. All of a sudden, uh, you see in the practice how uh, how it's actually gonna work.
0: So is everybody quite similar then, like in terms of what their prep is? Like when you go to a two star, are you guys preparing for a match the same way you would scout for an opponent and, and do your own warm up, or
1: how much are you adjusting based on what each guy likes to do? Well, I always been, I always been like, I like the way that um, the thought about you, you do your own thing. Like uh, when when it comes to prepare, like preparing for a game, or just like in, in tournament. For example, me and and Christopher, we have like one way of preparing that we know each other up uh, very well, like how we would like to do before a game. And uh, in Tel Aviv, when I played uh, with uh, Thompson, Dan Thompson, he had a, he has a different, really really different way of, of preparing for a game. And you just have to respect that because if you like, if you go in and and we um, say like uh, change the way he, he's preparing, maybe it wouldn't have gone the same way as it did. Like. I just let him do what he had to do. And that was also a pretty fun way to to learn to prepare for a game because that also brought a new aspect to how I would prepare for a game. I've only done what I used to do with uh, Christopher, and now I had to do it another way. And maybe I could learn something from that. Uh, maybe I did,
0: actually. Awesome, awesome. And talk to me about this Continental Cup because I think – the CEV is probably the the most competitive continental tour where us being a Canadian show with Norseca, some Central American teams just aren't that strong, where obviously we'll play against Cuba and the U.S. and some other couple, like Mexico, so some very strong teams. But there's always kind of one game in pool play where it's kind of like, if we lose this people are going to be very upset like this shouldn't happen where it sounds like at a cv it's wide open every country is very competitive so just talk to us about the mood of those because even though it's a continental tour it sounds like it's as good as a one or a two star or a three star because everyone is a is a professional team there right
1: i would say um it definitely varies the the, the pool you're in uh, or the teams you're playing uh, because you are seated like in the in a four four group pool and uh, we had Croatia I think first and if we had to play Croatia in any tour it would be a one star but then when we won that game and had to play Estonia there was all of a sudden like a whole new type of level because Estonia is like an integrated really good team in the world tour much better than us on paper but uh, in real life it, it it worked out the other <laughs> way <laughs> so it I was such a it was really really a great experience in, in the Continental Cup. I remember my family driving up the, from Denmark to Croatia to just be supporters in the, in the, in the, yeah, in the Cup and um, when, we, when we beat Estonia it was just like a great party because I think it was the first time we ever beaten a team looking better than us on paper and it was like a it was like i I'll say like it was the first time we see like the setup was working I think it was it was more about like us as a team being so happy about like this is actually working. Like what we're doing in Denmark right now with us six players training together, practicing together, this is actually working. Now now we're beating really good teams along the way. And it didn't even feel like we played over level. Like it just it just felt like we played the way we should and we beat them as we should. It wasn't a level we couldn't we couldn't look back and say like, okay, we really need to overperform to hit this level again. It wasn't like that. It was just like we hit the level we should. And that meant that we could beat teams like Estonia. And for example, in uh, in China, it was like a crazy two weeks I had. Uh, first, going to China uh, in a three-star, winning two games in the, or maybe one game in qualification. I think it was one game, yeah. Going into main draw, ending fifth all of a sudden. I've never, ever even like thought about ending that high on, in this first year with my partner. But I think it's just... The, the intensity of our practices are really working out and like having the mental the mental process from our from our coach like mental coach who think like we could we could do this like it's not it's not that far away to beat this these good teams like we we beat teams like um Doherty Katsiger Wu from China like we beat we beat a lot of good teams uh, in China um, and it was the the feeling like this is where we belong like <laughs> we I know I went to like I went to Israel the the week after, ending second in the, my first podium finish. Um, actually, I ended second uh, like my sister. She also ended second in the same tournament in Israel. So this is the first time ever that me and my sister ended up the podium together, weeks after each other. And just feeling feeling like this is where we belong. Like this is how it should go when we play Israel from now on.
0: Wow. What, what a great feeling to have. So I imagine when one team does well at your training group, it kind of spreads through the rest of the group because you're also close in training. So you mentioned the intensity and practice there. I'm wondering um, if you're an NBA guy, like it seems like load management was like the big turn this year, but like resting their stars and stuff like that. So for you guys with intensity of practice, are you jumping every day? Is there a gameplay component every day? Like, how, how intense are you getting? Or is it just the focus you guys bring to practice every day? Like, just give us an example if uh, anybody listening wants to start their own training group. How can we steal all the good ideas that Denmark has? Because it seems like you guys are on the
1: rise right now. Sure. Well, we, we've done it. We've done like a setup where it's every Monday, it's technical practice. So it's, it's mostly no jumping. Mostly because it's after maybe a a weekend of of national tour or anything like that. So we had like Monday set for just technical training, nothing game-like, nothing competitive, just focusing on on like the small stuff. And um, well, this year, Tuesday has been indoor practices, so that would have went to that. But uh, we mostly have like uh, Wednesday and Thursday uh, doing more competitive and like pushing us through like free balls and stuff like that, where you really get uh, the pulse high, working high. And wanting to like learn to be composed when your pulse is really high because that's mostly where teams fail in the in the last stage of a set is when they can compose themselves with a high pulse or being tired mostly so we really just wanted to work on like our our fitness we had um yeah. a, a quick side story it was uh, in uh, in brazil i was playing with Gustafa, and um we needed someone to practice with we were just going to uh, rio uh, trying to find someone to practice with and we we tried to write to a lot of coaches and neither of them could help us. But then we saw that the uh, and Suyong, uh, was going as well to Rio. And uh, we met them some times before not really practicing with them but I met them at the under like 22 and 20 national, or international cups. So we just wrote them saying like uh, it's possible to train with you guys because we can't find anybody to practice with. Uh, and they're like yeah cool yeah you can come to us we have like <laughs> they were based in like a military camp in brazil uh practicing with like event and, and stuff like that we had to go there uh, through security like uh, we know a uh, and soon i'm gonna practice with them <laughs> yeah, come on in and um, going to like the far corner and they had like a, a apartment there from some, some guy they knew in in like politics who, who lived in brazil uh so weird but um that was like the first time we practiced with Mon and serum and I just remember the intensity that Kohl, the, the coach, and uh, Anas' dad, like put into the practice. And this was like, I think it's like two days before the tournament or this. So like having this sort of intensity in a practice right before a tournament really like opened our eyes and this is how we also should practice. <laughs> I remember <laughs> they had like one one piece of uh, drill where we get three balls from Call. But every free ball that uh, we got were like thrown to us and we just played it out. every free ball Mool and Suyong got was like the hardest free ball I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> like, they should not be able to reach the ball but that was just how they worked because they knew like they knew they were better than us and that's fair enough that's how it works. and they also get the best practice if we get normal free balls and they get like the perfect optimal situation to transition against. So we just got easy, easy balls, and they got the most difficult free balls i have ever seen. So it was a, it was a fun practice with them.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I think for, for myself and probably some of our listeners, I'm going to go out on a limb here and think that when you say intensity in practice, it's usually about attitude and effort, but it sounds like there, there's a focus and an execution about it, right? Where even though you're, you're training with the best team in the world, there's still an expectation that you're going to side out, that you're going to challenge them, that they're going to get something out of it, right? So when you go into those practices, are you just kind of going to do whatever the coach tells you or are you open to kind of were you there to win practice or were you excited to be there and just kind of learn from them like how how is the mood different when you go into these intense practices
1: well it's funny you say it because i think we actually had this conversation like doing our practice with norway where me and christopher were obviously really excited just to practice with them because it's a great opportunity to with such good guys but we were also like we need to show them we're not just like a team from denmark like we're uh, a world War team—they're gonna pack it with. So we need to give her our best. And it wasn't anything about like making a, a de- defense uh, or defense action and, and being mad about it. Like you had to really do your best uh, every every single point and every single touch was like trying to do the best uh, and also trying to win the point. Um, so that's also how like you learn and and, and how you be the best. It's just not to take opportunities for granted, but really try to make the best of it when you you get to play with such a good team
0: nice nice yeah it's very interesting story you've got because you've got good results but it doesn't sound like you you're writing in a journal that you want to be a world champion and you're going to win a gold medal even though you've been on the podium right so where where is your confidence come from i guess where it doesn't sound like you're big on the outcome but you're still getting the outcome right so where where are these confirmation points coming where you like yeah i'm on the right path because I feel like I'm getting better, or I know I'm getting better. Like, how do you balance like the outcome versus how you know you're progressing as a player?
1: That's such a tough question because I've <laughs> I've always been really, really bad at like self-learning. Uh, like, how do I think? I, like, the thing about like, why do I think like this, or why do I act like this, is like probably one of my biggest weaknesses. But it's really important. Uh, like, you can you can learn a lot about yourself if you think about like why you acted the way you did. But I feel like, the, like being open to new experiences and, and taking them like one by one instead of looking at like the greater goal has helped me as well. Because every tournament is an experience that I feel like I should do my best in. And not just thinking about like, if I win this tournament, I could be able to join a four-star or something like that. Like every tournament I go to, I wanted to improve, I wanted to learn, and I have just like an open mind about like how I should learn it. And then I can maybe reflect on it afterwards, uh, talk to my partner, talk to my coach about it. Um, but definitely this year has been like the, the biggest year for me. And I, 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 just, I, I don't know, I can't say why, I can't say <laughs> why, because it's just like, it just comes like, imagine. We were in Brazil playing a game against Alisson, who this, like the same the year before won Olympics or something like that. I think he was still the Olympic reigning champion at that point. Like Playing against him, I felt like, like you definitely were like celebrity in Brazil when you <laughs> say you plays against Alisson. Everybody is crazy about him in Brazil. And I remember my, my partner scored a lot of Tinder dates having Alisson on his profile. <laughs> <at the> time. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a different environment uh, in Brazil uh, around beach volley than is in Denmark. Like name, like naming good players in Denmark, beach volley players doesn't mean anything here. Like they're just guys like everybody else. But when you come to Brazil and name Alison, but you played against them, you're a celebrity. Like you, you part of the top. So it's it's such a weird difference between like what it should feels like, like what it should feel like uh, playing in Denmark. Maybe it's just like the way we are here, like uh, down to earth, maybe not really thinking about wanting to be the best, but taking it as it comes.
0: That's so funny about Alison. I remember one of our guys reported back after they went to Brazil where... Here in Canada, the guy who's sponsored by Red Bull is a Toronto Maple Leaf, like Mitch Marner. He's a big celebrity, like he's a big deal. And and I remember the Canadian guys telling me, like, oh, in Brazil, like Allison and Bruno are on the can, like they're in commercials, like that's how big of a celebrity they are in their home country. Which we're yeah. like, that would never happen in Canada, where a beach volleyball player is like the poster boy for a big product like Red Bull. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know, it's so weird. So weird.
0: So how formal how formal is your reflection process that you talked about? Is it just because you're around a good group of guys that even conversations over lunch are about beach volleyball and talking about situations that come up in tournaments? Or are you actually reflecting and writing stuff down, like to remember how you felt in those moments? Are you talking with your mental coach like Give us something we can steal here, because it sounds like you've got a great uh, mental state of the game and a great skill work. And how can we replicate this if there's a younger listener who's like, "Man, I want to be like Martin." This sounds like awesome stuff.
1: (laughs) Well, I can definitely recommend. I can definitely recommend uh, having like a mental coach or a guy outside of your group you can talk to about each volleyball or just volleyball in general. It really helps out having like a neutral point of view to your game um, that you can share stuff with. I don't. Write stuff down. I don't uh, sit before a game thinking about like what I talk to my mentor coach about. What I usually do is um, we have like like we have contact with him all the time and he's available for us all the time. So if we need it, like if me and Christopher feels like we we need to talk this over or we have stuff like we wanted to do before the game, we call him and we can talk to him freely about everything. I really wanted to. I wanted to make my for fully more reflective in a way where right now it's mostly when we lose, we talk to him. That makes sense. Like when you lost the game, why did we lose? Why did we play badly? Stuff like that. And and not like when we're winning. Because when you, when you won, everything is great. <laughs> uh, but, but, but why did you win? Like uh, what happened that went so great that you won against this team? And uh, what can you take with you? Uh, so I would definitely recommend just like reflecting and talking to anybody like maybe trying to get uh, a guy outside of the sport just to talk to uh, about this um, because some of the times if you talk to somebody who's already in it maybe they're listening another way or maybe they get like uh, they don't reflect on it the way you want it to do and it gets way too one-sided so definitely try to to stay away from the one-sided part of it and see it on different sides like I remember in, in Canada when I was in Canada it was, I'm just going to say it, it was maybe the worst tour I ever played. <laughs> Canada, totally fine. Nothing about that. It was a great place, but it was the worst game I've ever played a beach beachfully in my like adult career. I I felt like, we and we tried to talk about this with our coach, but it was mostly about, like well, we couldn't pinpoint what it was. It was mostly because I was injured beforehand, so we didn't really get any competitive games. And then all of a sudden, we played. And then we had to be in like this game mode that we couldn't find. We couldn't find the game mode. Um, we were still—I hadn't jumped uh, at all before this game, so it didn't feel like I was playing an important game. It just felt like I was still like warming up, trying to get ready for an important game. And maybe that's what hit us because we lost to a team we should not lose against, um, and we just played really badly. Which that's like my my worry number one in Beats volley. I just hate playing badly. Like, I'm okay losing if you played okay and if you did your part, but I just didn't feel like I did my part there. And uh, then you have to think, why didn't I do my part? And uh, this could be one of the things. So what we did um, is we talked to our mental coach and uh, we talked to him for a long time. And then he got some things that we should talk about individually. And after that, we teamed up with the Swedes, which also lost the tournament. Rented an Airbnb, got drunk and then hit the time. <laughs> <laughs> and just party with the sweets all night. <laughs> so yeah. That really helped out. <laughs>
0: Well that's good because I remember I I was in Edmonton and that was that wasn't a true reflection of Canada I don't feel like it was basically raining I think the whole time you were there close to I think we had hail one afternoon it was it was pretty gnarly but uh is that something you like to do at tournaments where maybe you do get eliminated do you tend to stay at the tournament and train with other teams like I know some people want to get out of there as fast as possible but do you like yeah. to stick around and still be I don't know, almost uncomfortable because you're around the tournament and you're just training where everyone else is still competing for points and money and all that stuff. Where mm. do you find that a challenge? Because it is a weird mood being in a tournament. I felt it where you're eliminating. You're kind of like, well, what do we do now? Obviously, you can go party, but the next day you're still a professional
1: athlete and you feel like you got to do something, right? Yeah, it's such a it's such a tough call this one, and this is also a, a problem that arises when you when you lost in that qualifier uh, because at one. As you say, at one point you're ready to practice because you're in a group with a lot of good players that you can expand your your game with and, and practice with them. On the other side, you just want to get out of there, just want to get away from it all, and uh, as you say, maybe just reflect on your own because that's also part of playing. That's just like reflecting, like what you should do now. And maybe if if you haven't got the mental state to practice with anybody, you ain't gonna learn from it maybe just like stuck in, in like a, a bad zone where where you're still mad about losing. And you can first practice when you're over that. So you need to overcome this, this mental state before you can practice with anybody and, and learn from it. And in Canada, we mostly just want to go home because one thing was that we lost a really bad game. The other thing was it was raining a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was too fun. Um, but also it's like, it's like now we're here. We are in Canada. There's a lot of good teams. Um, how what should we do to make this work the best for us? So it's it's a really different question. Like I can't answer it completely because I think it's up to oneself to to feel like what what should be the next step. But in Australia right now we were two days in Australia because all of this Corona hit and we had to get we had to get a flight home. And me and my partner were ready to stay in Australia uh, to train and just to get better. And that's like a priority to be made. Just like we don't want to go home. We just want to want to take this moment where a lot of good players are here and want to evolve our game then everybody went home anyway so we did not really have anybody to play (laughs) with.
0: right Uh, yeah so how have you found the lifestyle on tour because it sounds like you're you're very professional obviously your results are proven and you're getting better but in in speaking to sergey when i was like hey man like who should we get on the show like your name came up like first so and, and obviously uh we were lucky enough to get tim from australia tim dixon so how have you found where you're professional and you're there to do work, but you're also social? Like you said, you're training with Norway, you're, you're friends with Sergey, you're, you're talking to these guys. So how do you flip on the competitiveness and how do you also like chill out and, I don't know, play video games or hang out in the dining hall or do whatever you need to do? Well, I'm
1: definitely more of the social type than the game mode, uh, serious focused kind of type. So I really love traveling around and just being around all the players. and as you say, invited him over to FIFA. Like, we brought a PlayStation. We played with uh, Matthias here in Australia uh, because, like, he didn't have anybody to, to play with anyway, so might as well just come over and play FIFA. I remember in... I think, like, it's, it's crazy about Canada. In Denmark, we always practice against Canada in World Tours. I don't know what it is. <laughs> maybe just a lot of players, but it's always Canada we, we end up practicing with. In in CMB, we practice with... Uh, yeah, Sergei and uh, Whelan and uh, we played against McNeil and Hoey, also played against the, uh, practiced against them. I, f- I freaking love McNeil and Hoey. It's, <laughs> it's a great team. <laughs> it's, I love them. We had, I, I don't know, I'm getting kind of sidetracked here, but I have just one thing where we played against them in, in like a qualifier and uh, make, I, I think we won like two or three rallies in a row and, and McNeil were heading out, um, What like signaling the timeout but didn't call it and I just told my partner, it's a timeout, uh, he was in the service line, so like, it's a timeout, let's go. And then my just turns around, I didn't call the timeout, it wasn't me. I just go to a cigarette, he called it, he called the timeout, I didn't say anything, like, what's going on here, like, don't want do the timeout, but I didn't call it, I just need to take my glasses and, like, coming up the stuff, like, hey, okay, Jesus, I'll take the timeout, like, take the timeout, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Thinking, like, he thinks so quick. It's crazy how you could, like, switch on the plate like
0: that. Oh, yeah, big, high-energy guy. Jake and I actually coached a youth club team here, and I had a blast. I think he he's always in a good mood. He's always competitive. Just, uh... Yeah. I, I could totally picture him doing that. Like, no, I didn't. No, like, and just fired up to argue the point yeah. until he gets his way,
1: right? Definitely. And that's, like, like that's what happened, like, after the game. Then you can joke about that because you've been friendly all, the way, all along. And you're not there to make enemies. Like, you're there, of course, to win. And in the game, you're focused. But I... I feel like after the game, I love just switching off the the intensity and, and switching off the the game mode. I always have like modes I can switch into, or I, I tend to have modes I can switch into. So like when we practice at home, we talk about me and Christopher, Which kind of mode are we in now? Like, are we in practice mode, uh, learning uh, new techniques or learning new swings? Are we in game mode, like wanting to win? Because that's a complete another level to be on, where you don't think about anything. Any techniques at all you're just there to win the point no matter how Um, and after the game we have we have our own social mode it's like we both we're really good friends me and christopher so that's that's great great to be a part of like you can travel together without having any problems so i I really love going around on the world tour and and chatting up players and especially canadians they always say such weird stuff Well, it is a tough balance, right? Because references.
0: (laughs) (laughs) it it can be a tough balance, right? Because everybody is friendly on tour and and pretty social for the most part. But at the end of the day, you're playing for money, right? Like this is your living, right? So uh, when you say switch it on, is that just something you and your partner just kind of look and give each other like the nod that like, we're, we're here to win at every point. Like how would you manage that? Because I think the tour, there's certain people who can't switch it on. And I think there's people who just don't get through the qualifier because they're just there for a good time where, when you say switch it on is it just an effort thing is it a, is it a focus thing like what really like if you had to give us a real example of what it is because like i said it, your, your funding depends on your results right so you're just not there to go to australia or come to canada and be a tourist like you you got to get results right
1: two answers to that question first thing is it's it's a feeling in, on the court that you, you you feel you can feel when you're switched on the intensity playing the the duels and, and winning the points afterwards you feel like when you're switched on and i know when my partner hasn't switched on game mode and he knows when i'm not switched on game mode so we can tell each other we don't have like we maybe we have a nod i don't know we could have a nod or something <laughs> like that but you can definitely feel when you're on game mode and it's a great feeling because it's really here when the magic happens it's like when you're both in it switched on and, and ready to do everything to win the point and if you're not uh, in game mode one example is in China. We played Katika and uh, Bria. You played with Bria, yeah. and we lost the first set, twenty-one, eight. I think it was so cool. embarrassing. Yeah, it was really, really embarrassing. And I would, I just wasn't switched on. Like, and maybe that's because I'm really good friends with Marco, Katiga. Uh, my partner is too. So, is this weird balance between like playing against your friends and really we need to win this game? But we had a talk about it in the timeout or in, the, in between sets and we switched on and we won the game in the end. Somehow, way, we won that game. But that's just like something you can feel on the court. I think this is the difference between like um, switching out, on when you're professionally and, and when you like have a job besides your sport. Because we all, like all our six players who have like, talked about doing this project, doing this setup, and wanted to get better because we wanted to like an, a part of the world tour we we talked about like our goal is to be an integrated part of three stars like that's how we want to be we always want to be in the main draw of three stars so you have to be pretty focused to do that but we're all we all have drugs besides beach volleyball. none of us are professional and the funding we get from um, get from our federation is is the same no matter where we go like we could go to uh Estonia uh, which would can cost us anything or Latvia uh, which is a cheap flight to there get the same amount of compensation as we do to go to Brazil and not being able to pay anything from the fund we get from federation but we get the same thing no matter what we do so we can't really rely on our um, on our performances due to what funds we get from it secondly it was crazy in China standing In the quarterfinals against any other team who are there doing what they do for a living like this is what they do for a living we're the only team here right now who has we're not doing this professionally who has a job when we come home and every other team when you look around they have a coach they maybe have two they maybe have a physio next to them they always have like a team with them we only have ourselves whenever we like wherever we go it's just me and my partner and if we're lucky we have two teams going, so we're four players who can like talk to each other and help each other as much as possible. Maybe set up a camera so we can watch the game afterwards. But we're looking around in a quarterfinal where every other player has studied our game with their coach and knows our way of playing like inside out. And we're just here to say like we need to beat this team. So how are we gonna do this? Well, let's find out doing like the first ten points or something. Like we, we can only check YouTube and hope there is some games of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So it's we're not like maybe that's what difference between like being a player that has to win because this is your earning, this is your life. Like some of the the Polish players we played against, if they're not doing well, they get kicked off the national teams and then they don't have a job anymore. Where we have like a safety net still. Like we can go around, have fun, do well, and be really grateful about it. Uh, but if we don't do well. We still have a job at home like we, we go home to the same every day as we used to so it's it's actually it's both difficult and it's really nice to have this 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 way of thinking um because maybe you can get too comfortable like maybe you can get too comfortable having having safety at home uh, having a job you get money from because maybe you just don't earn uh, or play the way you should be if you don't have anything to come home to. too
0: it's super interesting just from, from doing the show and learning that uh, there's no one way to do it on tour. Like, Obviously, it stands out when you see like Brazil as an army of staff or I think Australia, Poland, like you said, they always have a coach or I was blown away by some of the Japanese teams who are sponsored by Toyota, where they have an army and a physio and all that stuff where it's Mm -hmm. great to hear that like Estonia, Norway and Denmark, you guys have found a way without a lot of Federation support. Uh, I know our Canadians, they would appreciate more staff on travel with them, but they found a way. So it's it's just kind of cool that you can be competitive in our sport and not have the same uh, advantages as everybody else.
1: I feel like that it's, like, it's it's such a yeah It's you've been so grateful for it like you're grateful to to find someone who wants to do this with you because it's it's not like you have to what was it it's not like you, you can you can take over for something you don't have to like go fully nuts in the sport and and go completely dry if it doesn't work out like if me and Christopher doesn't work out we can like switch partners maybe, or we can just go down a notch. But any other team, they can't just do that because this is the way of living. Like they have to perform. So I, I really like the way we're doing it in Denmark, and right now the the setup we have is incredible. And I really really hope that if we continue uh, our great like run of form, maybe more sponsors will come. But it's just so so difficult in Denmark to find sponsors. Um, but it's again we're just hoping that you can make a name for yourself
0: nice nice well i can see why sergey recommended you this has been awesome i'm just looking at the clock and we've we've taken a, a large chunk of your day here so yeah, sorry i'm such a talker. no no this is this is very good so thanks again for doing this uh one thing we're trying to build into a tradition is just a a funny story where obviously you're you're a medalist on the world tour and you've you've told some good stories i'm wondering if you had one more where something silly or odd has happened to you on tour you can just leave us with a laugh where you've yeah. painted a picture where you're a very high level player but i don't think you're exempt from having something weird happen to you on to her right so
1: yeah uh, I actually I have one from the from the Turkey on the 22 European Championship I remember Uh, we played a a five setter it sounds weird but we played a five setter against Turkey to seven points in the last uh, last set and I remember the line judges were completely corrupt it was crazy they were waving their flag at any opportunity they had no matter the situation uh, towards the Turkish teams and we had to like call down the ref to say like, can you see how ridiculous this is? And of course, like, luckily for us, the ref mostly took, like, had a had a vision on the on the line judges, so he could see that they were wrong. But anyway, we we won the game somehow in the, against this Turkish team on their home court. And then uh, afterwards, we headed out for dinner, just trying to find a place nearby. And apparently, our match what was uh, broadcasted on local TV to this like small vacation holiday city. So when we went for dinner, everybody had watched our game in like a TV in the restaurants. So nobody wanted to serve us because we just beat the local. <laughs> <No way. laughs> <laughs> we just walked around me like sixteen years old, getting turned down by every restaurant because it was like no, 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 not you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great.
0: <laughs> but that's a good welcome to professional volleyball where maybe nobody back home was really watching the results that closely where in Turkey, it sounds like they were all in and taking it pretty seriously.
1: Mm, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
0: awesome. Well, thanks again for taking the time to do this, man. Definitely learned a lot. And thanks for, uh, not skipping over any details. I'm sure it's all pretty simple for you in Denmark, but for a Canadian system, this was all brand new. So thanks for sharing the details there and being open with it. Uh, if somebody wanted to either follow you or follow the squad, uh, what's your social media if people want to support you guys?
1: Well, they can find me personally on uh, Martin Trans Hansen on Instagram. We have a, a, a team page on Instagram called Beachfully Team Denmark. And uh, it's the same name. You can find us on Facebook as well, Beachfully Team Denmark we post just from our, all of our teams around the world. Uh,
0: awesome. Well we covered a lot of stuff today. I'm sure we'll have to get you back on soon so we can just talk more but uh, thanks for taking the time. Thank you and uh, thanks to Sergey for recommending me post fine. <laughs> nice. <laughs>